Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Today is Tuesday, April 13, 2021, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. In Brooklyn City, Minnesota, the cop who killed Dante Wright, she has resigned. The police chief has resigned. The city manager has been fired. The black mayor is now in charge of the police department. We'll tell you all the details, including the the removal of a certain flag atop the police department replaced with American flag. In Virginia, the the state's attorney general wants personnel records of the two officers accused of pepper spraying and pointing their guns at a black U.S. Army lieutenant. Karan Nazario, of course, took place in a traffic stop. Karan Nazario filed a federal lawsuit against them. Now the AG is pursuing them. The cop who shot Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin, will not be disciplined by the police department. Yeah, really. And on day 12 of the murder trial of Derek Chauvin, his attorneys called witnesses to the stand in an effort to convince jurors that George Floyd died from heart disease and drug use. Yeah. And the CDC and the FDA recommend a pause in the use of Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine 
due to blood clot concerns. We'll have a doctor explain what that means. In Illinois, a high school football player was forced to sit in a locker filled with hanging banana peels. We have the video. And President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris met with members of the Congressional Black Caucus today to discuss critical issues in the black community. We'll show you some of what he had to say. And Will Smith, as well as Antoine Fuqua, have pulled their new movie, Emancipation, out of Georgia because of their voter suppression laws. And guess who decided to respond and include me? Texas GOP Chair Alan West. Y'all, Alan wants me to apologize for calling him gutless. Y'all will hear my response. And in our Marketplace segment, we'll look at equity in the cannabis industry. Are black folks being left out? Plus, I'll show you a preview of the new Netflix series with Jamie Foxx, Dad, Stop Embarrassing Me, in my interview with Jamie and his co-star. It is time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Some changes in Brooklyn Center, Minneapolis, Minnesota, I'm sorry. Of course, that's where, man, young man, 20 years old, Dante, not, Dante Wright was shot and killed during a traffic stop on Sunday. The police chief has quit. Officer Kimberly Potter, who also leads the police union, she has resigned from the, the police department. Potter submitted her resignation letter today. This is what it actually says. Dear Mayor Elliott, Mr. Edwards, and Chief Gannon, I am tendering my resignation from the Brooklyn Center Police Department effectively immediately. I've loved every minute of being a police officer and serving this community to the best of my ability, but I believe it is in the best interest of the community, the department, and my fellow officers if I resign immediately. Sincerely, Officer Kim Potter. At a news conference today, the mayor announced that the chief is also resigned. We're going to show you some of what took place at the news conference. Watch this. Let me be very clear. Um, I, my position is that uh, we cannot afford to make mistakes that lead to uh, the loss of life uh, of, of other people in, in our profession. And so I do fully support uh, releasing the officer of her duties. All right, folks, that was the wrong video there. We're going to queue up for you the video from today's news conference. Uh, it was a lot of moving developments today uh, that took place today uh, in Brooklyn Center, uh, Minnesota. The protests have continued there uh, in Brooklyn Center. Uh, it took place, uh, you know, all day there. Uh, and it has been uh, an extremely, extremely uh, busy, busy day. Uh, folks continue to demand uh, significant changes uh, take place. Uh, in uh, Brooklyn City, uh, not just not just with, of course, uh, the uh, the the case of the officer and the chief, but also how 
they conduct themselves. At the news conference today, uh, one of the things the chief made clear that the city council passed a resolution that stated that the police department cannot use tear gas or rubber bullets in dealing with protesters uh, there in Brooklyn Center. That was important because protesters said uh, that they were condemning, frankly, they were condemning the actions of the police department when it came to uh, when it came to dealing with the protesters. And so uh, that was one of the moves. And this followed the city council uh, firing, if you will, firing the city manager and then giving the mayor uh, the power to take charge of the police department. A lot of different things going. He made it perfectly clear that they want to have the trust of the community uh, as much as uh, they could. And so, uh, again, that's what took place uh, today. Here's the uh, tweet that went out uh, yesterday. Effectively, immediately, our city manager has been relieved of his duties. The deputy city manager will be assuming his duties moving forward. I will continue to work my hardest to ensure good leadership at all levels of our city government. That is uh, Mayor Mike Elliott. As I said, uh, he was, um, you know, he was uh, very calm, very cool, collected today uh, at his news conference. Uh, but he is facing a, a lot of pressure uh, to really make some serious changes there in Brooklyn City uh, as a result uh, of what took place uh, on the shooting uh, on um, Sunday. Uh, the parents of uh, Dante, uh, they have been appearing a variety of news outlets uh, speaking out uh, about what took place uh, and what needs to happen. Uh, and, and they're saying that they simply cannot accept this excuse uh, that what took place uh, was a mistake. As they said, their son would not come back to life as a result. Uh, this is why, uh, here's the mayor right here speaking about um, why uh, she resigned and why uh, Kim Potter wasn't fired. In order for us to, to make that decision, uh, we we were going through our own uh, processes to make sure that uh, that that internally uh, we had um, all of the documentation in order uh, in order to be able to do that. But you know, the officer uh, resigned, and and so we we have that resignation at this moment. In order for us to, to uh, make so that was again that was Mike Elliott speaking today uh, at, uh, at 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 the news conference. Uh, as I said, protests uh, have continued uh, all throughout uh, Brooklyn City. It took place uh, last night as well, uh, and so uh, this here is was was video from uh, last night's uh, protest. As you see, uh, officers uh, there uh, in, in in the gear uh, lined up. And so folks have been demanding, again, there to be significant changes that take place. I'm going to pull up some other additional video from the news conference. Uh, I want to bring in my panel right now to talk about this here, uh, talk about several other different things that took place uh, in the news conference. Uh, joining us right now is Mustafa Santiago Ali, uh, of course, uh, um, a PhD, a former senior advisor with environmental, with the EPA, environmental justice, Benjamin Dixon, host of Benjamin Dixon Show podcast, Killer Bethea Communication Strategist. Uh, one of the things that happened today, Benjamin, is that the mayor also uh, made it clear that he would like for uh, the attorney general uh, to take over. The Attorney General uh, Keith Ellison to assume command of this particular case, uh, saying it, is it would be only fair and just. Of course, uh, Attorney General Keith Ellison took, took charge of the, Derek the, the, uh, the case of the officers uh, who killed uh, George Floyd. Uh, so uh, just your thoughts on just the rapidly changing developments uh, in uh, Brooklyn City, Minnesota. 
you know, the mayor has a balancing act that he has to take right now. And I think he's doing the best that he can do, considering the demand for justice from all across the country. And so to leave things static would be a problem because of the implications of everything that's happening around the country. I think it was a smart move to call on Keith Ellison to step in because we can't leave the city police to investigate themselves because we've seen so many times that that leads to no justice whatsoever. And if we're lucky, we may get some justice now that it's in the hands uh, of the attorney general. Um, uh, first of all, uh, Kelly, to have them again, chief resigns, the officer who shot and killed Wright resigns, firing the city manager. Uh, this mayor is not uh, playing around when it comes to making immediate changes. Normally, we see a lot slower response from elected leadership, uh, especially in a very small town. Well, they can't afford to have uh, small and slow changes, especially in this jurisdiction um, and in this state um, in particular, because to my understanding, this is about the third one in less than five years. You have this one, you have George Floyd, of course, from last year, and then you have Philando Castile from a couple years prior. And all three of these are incidents where black men were shot down unnecessarily so at the hands of brazen overzealous, uh, over-policing police. So the mayor and the powers that be in this particular in this particular jurisdiction in Minnesota, they understand that. And they also understand the the crowd, not the crowd, but the 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 response uh, from the court of public opinion regarding these matters. And what they don't want is basically another uprising, another, you know, streak of protests and, and damage to properties and things like that. I'm not saying that is worse than the shooting, but from a, administ a government administrative perspective, I can see how that is one of their priorities in making sure the entire community is safe. So kudos to the uh, mayor of this town of for just basically expediting the process and draining the swamp of these people who are low-key responsible for police officers like this being on the street. Uh, Mustafa, one of the things we also heard in the news conference, people were, were talking about the need for Brooklyn City cops to live in the city. And so the mayor uh, was talking about, again, a number of things uh, they're looking at changing in the city. Yeah, folks are looking for systemic change. And that means from the, the top all the way down. You know, whether you're talking about training, when you're talking about the movement of resources uh, to other forms that help to build trust with the community and help to make sure there's better policing that's actually happening, that, that actually has the, the community as a driver and a framer in that. And, and when you don't do that, you know, we continue to see these types of not just egregious behaviors, but the sacrificing of, of black men that continues to happen you know, not just there in that state, but across our country. So folks want systemic change. Um, and when you clean house, as he did, you know, it shows that that's the first step in that process. The harder set of work is actually how you begin to root out the systemic racism and biases that are inside of your police department and the new sets of actions that have the voices of communities as a part as a driver in that. Um, here is something else that came up in that news conference, Benjamin. Uh, this video here, it shows this uh, blue line flag that was flying uh, outside of the police department. Uh, that angered a lot of people, and they said that flag must come down. 
uh, and today the mayor announced that flag has indeed come down uh, and it is only the United States flag that is flying in front of that police department. Uh, uh, speak to that and, and, and what that means uh, for the mayor to say that that flag has to come down in order to engender trust in this community. Well, first and foremost, the mayor is taking on the entire police department by giving them the instructions to take it down, which is the right thing to do, because that flag is kind of just uh, kind of in place of what they really want to fly with a Donald Trump flag or, or even a Confederate flag, because that's what it symbolizes. And it symbolizes the brutality and the oppression that comes from the police department as it pertains to black people specifically and black men even more particularly. And so for them to fly it, it was a sign to the entire country that they really did not give a damn about about what was going on or the life that they took. And it's only fitting that the mayor told them to take it down, but it ne never needs to go back up across any police station across this country ever again. Uh, of course, uh, that was a news conference that also took today, uh, took place outside today. Uh, there he is, attorney Ben Crump, who's been hired by the Wright family to represent them. And you have this 26 year veteran on the police force who was training them, Brandon, Trey, he was Trey. She was the trainer of the officers. And so for 26 years, you know how you're trained that your duty weapon is on your dominant side and your taser is on your non-dominant side. And why is that? Because it's foreseeable that in an exigent situation, if the taser is beside the gun, you might pull the wrong thing. But after 26 years, you would think that you know what side your gun is on and what side your taser is on. You know the weight of your gun and you know the weight of the taser. You know the gun is black. You know the taser is going to have some reflective color on it. And so it is unacceptable. It was intentional they stopped them. It was intentional they used the most force. Uh -huh. They could have gave them a ticket. Yep. That's what they do in traffic citations. It reminds you of George Floyd. Yep. That was a misdemeanor. They could have gave him a ticket for that. But when it's black people in America, they engage in the most use of force. And it ends up with deadly consequences. And now, Wright was initially stopped again, folks, for having an air freshener hanging in his car. Minnesota is one of several states that prohibits hanging anything from a vehicle's rearview mirror that might obstruct a driver's vision. Now, one of the things that's interesting here, Kelly, is that um, stories have been done where police have actually said that one of the things that they've done is they've used these type of laws uh, to uh, make arrests when it comes to drugs and things along those lines. Uh, despite uh, all these all these right-wing people out here who are trying to post to say, oh, he was pulled over because he had a warrant. No, that wasn't the case. He was pulled over because of the air freshener. Once they stopped him, then they then ran his name and realized there was a warrant. Now we are seeing information that, that the warrant was problematic because they sent the notice for his hearing to the wrong address. So there shouldn't have even been a warrant for a warrant for his arrest because the court screwed up. So this is a perfect example of how screwed up this system is. The fact that even with technology being as quick as it is, such that you can figure out when a warrant um, is issued or the like, 
by way of computer in your uh, police car, it is still an issue in which correcting that warrant doesn't get to you in time. And just in terms of warrantless searches and the like, again, to the system being, frankly, just screwed up. Um, but more pointedly, let's just say there was no warrant involved and he was just pulled over for the air freshener in his car, which is, from what you just said, the initial reason he was stopped. To get from that point to the mm. death of a young man shouldn't be that close. Those two points should be so far on opposite sides of the spectrum, it's ridiculous. But unfortunately, because he's a black man, it's as close as A and B. So we have a problem in this country, but right now we have just an immediate problem with police over-policing black bodies. And in Minnesota, again, like I said previously, this is the third one in less than five years. So they have a huge, huge problem. Uh, and, of course, uh, Mustafa, this police department, this city, uh, is going to be facing a huge, huge lawsuit, especially when you factor in not just the shooting, but also uh, if, if Ben Crump and his legal team are able to show that that, that, that uh, warrant was sent to the wrong address and that supposedly precipitated all of this, yeah, this city is going to be paying uh, a substantial amount of money to the Wright family. When Ben Crump comes for you, what you going to do? You know what you're going to do. You're going to end up, end up having to pay a whole lot of money uh, for these injustices that continue to happen. You know, it's amazing that when it comes to our black lives, when they have value it is when folks can make money off of us. And what I mean by that is when you have these jurisdictions across the country who set up these, these spaces where they have these traffic stops, as we talked about, where they uh, increase the amount of tickets that go out because it helps to fund uh, many of their sets of activities that they then flip back into our communities. But our lives have very little meaning and very little value uh, when it comes to, you know, many of these uh, police departments across the country, when it comes to actually making sure that justice is happening and that we're not being used um, in so many forms and fashions. Um, and again, and for the folks who don't quite understand, because I, I keep seeing these comments uh, on social media, especially on our chat boards. Folks, let, let's be real clear here. Ben Crump and these civil rights lawyers, they can't prosecute cops. Mm -hmm. Only DAs can. They are, they are hired by the family to actually negotiate settlements. Now, if it means taking it to trial, they'll do so. 99% of the time, they're not going to trial. So I wish all of these people stopped saying this stupid stuff. Oh, Ben Crump keeps losing cases. Y'all, they can't prosecute cops. They can't. They aren't well, prosecutors, okay? So understand what the law is, what the roles of lawyers are. <clears throat> they are hired by the family to represent them in civil suits against cities, police departments, and individuals. So I, I just need people to stop sitting here and posting that nonsense because clearly a bunch of y'all don't understand uh, uh, what the jobs are of individuals. And so please, so please stop with stop with the nonsense. Okay, so just stop it.
Uh, folks, uh, big news out of the FDA today. They announced that the, they're putting a stop, uh, a halt right now to the Johnson Johnson, Johnson uh, COVID vaccine because six cases of blood clots forming. Now, some people are saying, OK, what's the big deal? Six cases. You've had seven million doses uh, that actually have been administered. Well, here's a statement from Jonathan Johnson. The safety and well-being of the people who use our products is our number one priority. We are aware of an extremely rare disorder involving people with blood clots in combination with low platelets and a small number of individuals who have received our COVID-19 vaccine. The United States Center for Disease Control and the Food and Drug Administration are reviewing data involving six reported U.S. cases out of more than 6.8 million doses administered. Out of an abundance of caution, the CDC and the FDA have recommended a pause in the use of our vaccine. Dr. Tate's, uh, of course, uh, in addition, we've been reviewing these cases with European health authorities. We have made the decision to proactively delay the rollout of our vaccine in Europe. We have been working closely with medical experts and health authorities, and we strongly support the open communication of this information to healthcare professionals and the public, okay? Uh, the CDC and FDA have made information available about proper recognition and management due to the unique treatment required with this type of blood clot. The health authorities advise that people who have received our COVID-19 vaccine and develop severe headache, abdominal pain, leg pain, or shortness of breath within three weeks after vaccination should contact their health care provider. Uh, we're joined now by Dr. Tayson Bell. He's a critical care and infectious disease specialist at the University of Virginia. Uh, Dr. Bell, uh, you, uh, you, uh, Dr. Ebony Hilton and others participated, took the uh, one of the COVID vaccines early. If I'm correct, you get the Pfizer shot, right? That's right. Okay, so you had the Pfizer shot. I completed my second Moderna shot uh, on Friday. So explain to the people, all these these armchair you know doctors out here. Uh, I saw this ridiculous tweet from uh, from uh, uh, Nate uh, Silver, uh, of course, who's supposed to be a pollster expert, complaining that this makes no sense to not administer this, and this is going to cause people not to trust the vaccine when only six people have developed blood clots uh, out of 6.8 million doses being administered. Um, was this a smart decision by the FDA, the CDC, and Johnson & Johnson? And explain what this means. Uh, well, I will say that my initial reaction to the news was similar to yours, that you know this is a rare circumstance. The vaccine clearly has a benefit when it comes to protecting from death from COVID-19. But as I understood the decision-making process behind it, I came around and I actually agree and think it's the right decision for three main reasons. So first, you did mention the incidence of these blood clots are very rare, about one in a million. But it is important for clinicians to know how to treat them because the normal uh, heparin products that we would use for blood clots, they could potentially make this worse. So it's important to get that information out. Second, the pause allows for us to really take a look at a focused way to get more information. There might be more cases. We don't know at this point. I hope there aren't um, a lot more, but it allows a chance to really take a look at the data and see if there are more cases or if they're in different kinds of people. The cases that were described were all in women between the ages of 18 and 48 years old, but we may be able to learn some more information. And then the third, we talked so much about how speed and equity are really priorities for the vaccine rollout. But really, at the end of the day, we need to make sure that this is a safe and effective product. And the uh, vaccine monitoring uh, system that the CDC put in place, it worked exactly the way it's supposed to. And when we see these signals, even if they're rare, if they're potentially fatal, it's something that we should look into. And ultimately, that's how we ensure that there's vaccine confidence in the public. 
Okay, and um, and, and so in reading that, when when, when I, I hear that, I mean, what they're saying is like, hey, folks, how we normally treat blood clots, not working. So we got to take, we got to walk ourselves way through this. Uh, and, and again, for the people who say, oh, you know, you know, this, this, this you know, this, this is a shame. It's going to cause people not to trust vaccines. First of all, we have three. Um, there, there's Moderna. There's uh, there's uh, Johnson and Johnson. Uh, there's of course uh, Pfizer, uh, and then uh, in Europe is AstraZeneca. Correct? That's right. Okay. And so uh, this to me are folks saying, "Hey, no, we're going to be extra cautious. Let's study the data." That's right. I don't believe that pausing the rollout for Johnson & Johnson is an indictment of the vaccine. It's really an effort to make sure that we're being very careful in investigating the data to make sure that we understand fully what this rare complication is. And then ultimately, I, I don't anticipate that it'll be pulled completely, but I do think that there may be an adjustment into which patient populations it'll be recommended for who may be at higher risk of this rare complication. All right, then, uh, Dr. Tyson Bell, we certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much uh, for uh, letting us know about this. And again, um, look, uh, you know, I've encouraged folks to take the vaccine. Uh, there are a lot of people out there who say, hey, uh, you know, I don't want to. But the bottom line is this here. We see uh, what this what this has done to a lot of people. I was reading a tweet the other day from Dr. Walter Kimbrough, who was the president of Dillard University. Uh, he announced on March 28th that his brother, who was 51 years old, had gotten COVID. Yesterday, he tweeted his brother had passed away uh, as a result uh, and because because he said he had, uh, a, he had a pre-existing condition he was obese he had developed blood clots as a result of COVID uh, and passed away uh, just a few days later exactly the uh, the risk of COVID-19 far outweighs the potential risk of the vaccines at this point uh, your risk of getting a blood clot from having COVID is around one in five or 20 percent so you know these are sorts of things we need to keep in mind but you know, at the end of the day we, we want to make sure that every product that's out there is uh, safe all right then uh, Dr. Bell thanks a lot thank you all right folks got to go to a break we come back we're going to talk about today's developments in the Derek Chauvin trial the man of course who killed George Floyd that is next on Roller Martin Unfiltered you see what's happening it's not just in Georgia it's here in Florida and in 43 states across the country last year I had my voting rights restored with an assist from the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition I did it for myself but also for my future Having children, I realized I could make a difference. So I got my voting rights restored, got registered to vote, and I got my vote in through the Postal Service since I was working out in California during the football season. Now they're trying to undo that, and the hard work of so many others. They're taking away drop boxes, making it hard to vote by mail, and they're still trying to make returning citizens pay for a poll tax just to vote. Now that we know what they're trying to do, let's stop them. Here's how. Call your legislators, call your members of Congress, and start by signing our petition at morethanavote.org slash protect. The fight is not over. We're just getting started. Help us help you and protect our power. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett. Yo, it's your man Deion Cole from Blackish, and you watching. Roland Martin, unfiltered. Stay woke. Well, former House Speaker John Boehner called Senator Ted Cruz uh, Lucifer in an interview yesterday on The View. He talked about him being a complete ass uh, and just being, frankly, an evil person no one likes. Well, this is Senator Ted Cruz's response to that Michael Vick commercial we just showed you. 
uh, dealing with Georgia voter suppression put out by the folks with more than a vote. Uh, Cruz tweeted, if you like killing puppies, this might be persuasive. That's what that fool said. The same man who abandoned Texas, of course, uh, in the middle of a winter storm where Texans died. Um, you know, bottom line here, uh, Mustafa, uh, Ted Cruz, grossly unlikable. Very few people uh, will actually say positive stuff about him. Now, he, he, he's all happy because he announced today he raised something like $5 million uh, in his war chest. Uh, he's frankly an embarrassment to me, being a native Texan. Uh, you will never hear me call him my senator at all. He's a complete suck up to Donald Trump. The man talked, called your wife ugly, accused your dad of killing Lee Harvey Oswald, and you still kissed his uh, chapped ass. Uh, so, and so now he wants to sit here and complain about, uh, M Michael Vick. Oh, really, really Ted Cruz, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard to have any moniker of respect for somebody who doesn't stand up for their wife, doesn't stand up for communities. You know, he, he's actually played a role. You know, you make a choice which side of the equation you want to be on. You know, he was one of those folks who was out there. Um, when COVID-19 was at the height of the pandemic, and of course we still have serious impacts going on, who was pretty much, you know, saying it was a hoax and not putting action behind it. We got to remember, this is a senator. He has some power. So he could have very easily, you know, got together with others and began to have the right conversations and say, hey, we need to make sure that these dollars are inside of these relief bills to actually make sure that you know, black and brown and indigenous folks actually have what they need to be protected, but he never did that. And you can go down a laundry list of things from voting uh, to jobs to a number of other issues where he's always been on the wrong side of history. So you don't really get a chance to have uh, a, a, a real conversation because you've ignored them and you've tried to shy away from some of the most important issues of our time. Uh, this right here, uh, Kelly, is a tweet that LeBron James issued four hours ago in response to Ted Cruz. It is certain in any case that ignorance allied with power is the most ferocious enemy justice can have, quoting James Baldwin. This is Ted Cruz we're talking about. I, I have absolutely no respect for this man, um, if you want to call him that at all. Um, this is the same man who literally ditched his state in a time of crisis a couple months ago to go to Mexico because his wife and kids were cold and then decided to come back from that trip early, making it look like, oh, I was just dropping off my kid and wife in Mexico, but I'm going to brave the cold. Like, he, he is a coward to the nth degree. He is, you know, he's a cretin in every sense of the word. So the fact that he is once again opening his mouth just to spew bile is not surprising because that is his M.O. That is all he does, all he can do, and all he's really good for. Um, that, that is all he's good for. Uh, and again, uh, the man is, uh, is just uh, beyond shameful, uh, despicable. Um, no one can uh, trust him at all. Uh, and I must say, uh, that exchange, Benjamin, uh, on The View, uh, I thought was perfect. Uh, this is Speaker, former Speaker John Boehner uh, talking about uh, Senator Ted Cruz. Your animosity for Senator Ted Cruz. But you take it to the level in the book, writing, quote, there's nothing more dangerous than a reckless 
Beep, who thinks he's smarter than everyone else, unquote. Now, you say even Mitch McConnell hated him with a pack. Not sure. Uh, I have some issues here, but uh, let me see if I can uh, get this queued up right. Let's see if this works. Uh, trying to play this because uh, this is the, the sound bite is actually just just perfect uh, in talking about uh, Ted Cruz. Uh, so hopefully I can get this uh, get this straight here. Uh, but uh, I mean, my goodness, the guy is just insufferable. Uh, I think we got it now. Go. But you take it to the next level in the book, writing, quote, there is nothing more dangerous than a reckless beep who thinks he is smarter than everyone else, unquote. Now, you say even Mitch McConnell hated him with a passion I didn't know Mitch had in him. And we hear you ad-libbed some rather colorful commentary we can't repeat here when you recorded the audiobook portion about him. What is it about Cruz that gets you so fired up? Because Cruz says you're obsessed with him. Well, this guy was not even a member of the U.S. House. He's a member of the Senate. And he's coming over to uh, the House side of the Capitol, stirring up uh, some of my knuckleheads uh, and pushing them to do things that are about the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. And he's not even a member of our caucus. And so it, it, it just a bit bizarre uh, that I've, I've never quite seen anything happen before or since, uh, like the activities of Ted Cruz. And, uh, you know, I, I don't really beat up too many people in this book, except one, Ted Cruz, Lucifer in the flesh. Ooh, yes. We will be back. <laughs> we will be back with former speaker John Boehner when we come, when we return. He does not, well, don't have so much he does not hold back. <laughs> hey, Lucifer in the flesh. Love it, Ben. Yeah, no, that's that's a great soundbite. I wish John Boehner would have done something about it while he was Speaker of the House. I wish that John Boehner would have spoken about that while he had power to influence the outcome of some of these elections. Because if he's a really, really a patriot, then he would have stepped up and helped rid ourselves of Lucifer in the flesh. Now, that said, he's describing Ted Cruz to the T. And this is a scenario where you see two people like John Boehner sound, is saying all the things that we want to hear. But I let them fight because they continue to allow these type of Republicans, Tom Cotton, it's not just Ted Cruz, it's Tom Cotton. It's all across the board where Republicans are destroying our democracy in real time. And we have to wait till John Boehner's book come out before he says something that actually could impact um, that last election. Uh, and so uh, if y'all want to laugh, y'all, OK, so let's talk about uh, the, uh, the the election here. Now, first off, uh, let's talk about Georgia, where uh, Will, Squid, Will Smith uh, and Antoine Fuqua have announced that they are removing, removing uh, the shooting production of their film Emancipation uh, in Georgia. Here's what their statement they released. Uh, At this moment in time, the nation is coming to terms with its history and is attempting to eliminate vestiges of institutional racism to achieve true racial justice. We, we cannot in good conscience provide economic support to a government that enacts regressive voting laws that are designed to restrict voter access. The new Georgia voting laws are reminiscent of voting impediments that were passed at the end of Reconstruction to prevent many Americans from voting. Regrettably, we feel compelled to move our film production work from Georgia to another state. Well, that didn't sit so well with Alan West, a native of Georgia, who now is the chair of the Texas Republican Party. So he decides to put this video out 
And it says, go ahead, go to the video, please. Alan West responds to, go to the video, thank you. Alan West responds to Will Smith, Antoine Fuqua, and Rolandus Martin. Really? Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. You know, I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, and I just heard some news. And it has to do with the Hollywood movie industry. And as you may not know, Georgia has become one of the largest movie production facilities and studios in the United States of America. I think it's second or third after Hollywood. Well, I just found out that Will Smith and Antoine Fuqua, I believe, they have decided that they are going to move their movie, Emancipation, that's supposed to be a drama about slavery, out of Georgia in protest of the Georgia voting law. I found it very interesting that Will Smith and Mr. Fuqua wanted to do this because, well, the Republicans were the ones that stood up and fought against slavery. As a matter of fact, if you go back and look at the history of the Democrat Party, all this talk about Jim Crow, those were the Democrats that implemented the policy of Jim Crow, segregation, slavery, whatever you want to call it. And they continue today with the soft bigotry of low expectations. But when you think about this movie, Emancipation, well, that word has a lot of meaning because of the Emancipation Proclamation that was signed because of a Republican president, Abraham Lincoln. And there in the state of Georgia, Mr. Smith, I want you to remember that the very first member of the United States House of Representatives that was black, well, he was a Republican from Georgia, Mr. Jefferson Long. So I think maybe you should look at your history and make sure that you get it right. And oh, by the way, hey, Will, show me where you can go without an ID. I don't even think you can get on an airplane without an identification. I know that I can. Now, does that mean that these airlines are racist? And when you look at the Georgia election law, there are many other states controlled by Democrats that have election laws that are far more restrictive and stringent. So again, all of this background noise that we hear from these Hollywood elites, and these corporate fascists, oligarchs. It doesn't have a hill of beans of a meaning to any of us. And oh, by the way, Roland Martin, I think you call me gutless for not standing up and speaking out against voter laws. Well, guess what? I fought in countries where we wanted to make sure that they had honest, free and fair elections. And I will continue to fight for the exact same here in these United States of America. God bless y'all. Bye-bye. Hmm. Really, Alan West. Now, let me show y'all this here. Uh, I, I issued a, a response to Alan West, and I put this on Twitter. Uh, and then uh, Alan decided to uh, let me just show you what he uh, uh, what he posted uh, in uh, in response. Let me see if I can find it here. Uh, he um, uh, let's see here, right here. Uh, so uh, a couple of hours ago, Alan uh, called. Uh, my response, nuts. Go ahead and show it, please. Thank you. Nuts. All right. So here's what happened. Um, my booker, Jack, my booker, Jackie Clark, uh, Jackie uh, called Alan West. I have his number. Called Alan West. You know what? Why I just call Alan right now? Alan, Roland Martin, I'm on the air. 
Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk about voter suppression in Georgia and Texas. There ain't no voter suppression, brother. There's no voter suppression. Alan, let me ask you a question. No. If the Republicans no. had won, Alan just hung up, y'all. Alan just won. See, here's what I was gonna ask Alan West. If the Republicans had won, if the Republicans had won, would any of these bills be passed? It's a very simple question. It's a very simple question. Would any of these bills have been passed in Georgia? The answer is no. None of them would be passed. Not a single one. See, and let me show y'all how they're trying to play the game here. You saw in the video where Alan West says, in the video, Alan West says, oh, voter ID. See, they want everybody to think the bill is only about voter ID. It's not. What Alan West, native of Georgia, will not tell you, why are they placing the mail drop boxes inside of the voting location? Which means that when the voting location is closed, you can't drop your ballot off. They, what they will not tell you is why are they making it illegal for, let's say I was registered in Georgia and my mama and daddy were registered in Georgia and my mama and daddy filled their form out and said, son, take this with you and drop it off. The law says I cannot drop off my mama and daddy's absentee ballot. Why? What's the problem? They have restricted the number of drop boxes. Alan West then says in his video, oh, there are many more states in America led by Democrats with far more restrictive voting requirements in Georgia. Name them. I've heard y'all say New York State, and guess what? Progressives and liberals have been fighting for years to change the voting laws in New York State for that very reason. And they were successful in the last session. But I find it interesting, Alan West, y'all keep talking about Colorado having fewer voting, fewer early voting days than Georgia. But y'all don't want to admit it's also because 90% of the people, 70 to 90% of the people in, Denver, in Colorado vote by mail, which y'all want to restrict. Alan West, stop lying. Alan West, stop lying. So now let me deal with how folk like you want to cloak yourselves in the Republican Party of the past. Oh, it is factually correct, Alan West, that the radical Republicans were the ones who were fighting slavery. It is correct that the radical Republicans were the ones who led the 13th and 14th and 15th Amendment. Oh, it's absolutely correct. 
And it was indeed the Southern Dixiecrats who were racist and wanting to keep slavery. Hmm. But Allen, after 1964, I'm sorry, Allen, was it a Southern Democrat or was it a Western Republican who supported the 1964 Civil Rights Act? I'll wait. Fact, Allen, it was Southern Democrat President Lyndon Baines Johnson who shepherded the 1964 Civil Rights Act through Congress. It was Western Republican Barry Goldwater who opposed the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And then it was Barry Goldwater who then wrote a book that flipped the Republican Party and then the Republican Party then began to oppose civil rights in a significant way. Correct me if I'm wrong, Alan West, but was it not a Republican candidate named Ronald Reagan who stood for states' rights and was very much anti-civil rights? Was it not a Republican President Alan West in Ronald Reagan who opened his campaign in the same location, Philadelphia, Mississippi, where three civil rights workers were found? If I am correct, it was the same Republican Ronald Reagan, who gave that particular speech on the issue of states' rights. Correct me if I am wrong, Alan West. Was it not Republican Ronald Reagan who then viciously attacked civil rights organizations? Then he used that BS nonsense of a welfare queen to attack black people, was it not Republican President Ronald Reagan, Allen West, who would not condemn the racist apartheid regime in South Africa? Was it not Republican President Ronald Reagan, who vetoed the bill to place sanctions against South Africa, and that veto was overwritten by Congress. Was that not a Republican, Alan West, who did that in Ronald Reagan? Would you like for me to continue, Alan West? Would you like for me to pull the audio tapes of Republican strategist Lee Atwater, who ran the presidential campaign of Vice President George H.W. Bush, the same Lee Atwater who was named chair of the Republican National Committee. Do you really want to have this conversation with me about race and the modern day Republican Party, Alan West? 
since you want to cloak yourself in what Republicans did during slavery and during the civil rights movement by all means. Uh, Al, let me show this here, the Lee Atwater tapes. Let me Google that. Do you really want to go there, Alan West? I don't think you do. I don't think you do. Because see, here's a headline right here. Lee Atwater, the dark and dirty side of GOP politics. Mm. Where Lee Atwater actually talked about uh, how they did not have to use racist language. They substituted certain words that serve the same purpose. Alan, you opened this can of whip ass. I didn't. Do you disavow what Lee Atwater did? Do you disavow the Willie Horton ad? Do you disavow the racism of Jesse Helms, Republican? Do you disavow the racism of Strom Thurmond, Democrat, who led the Southern Manifesto in 1948? where they unfurled the Confederate flag? What did he later become? The Republican senator from South Carolina? Mmm. Mmm. Republican, Alan West. Do I need to go through, Alan West, the number of Republicans in my state of Texas and where you now are the head of the Texas Republican Party. Matter of fact, let me just go ahead and do this here. Uh, let's see. Go to, go, no, come on. Go to my computer, please. Here we go. Let's see. Texas GOP chairs and racism. Hmm. Alan West, since you won't open this can of whoop ass, here we go. This is the headline from the Texas Tribune from June 6, 2020. Conspiracy theories and racist memes. How a dozen Texas GOP county chairs caused turmoil within the party. On Friday morning, five GOP county chairs were facing backlash for sharing racist social media posts. The Texas Tribune identified seven other GOP county chairs across the state who shared similar posts. This is why I called you gutless, Alan West. I called you gutless because you won't say jack about voter suppression. I called you gutless, Alan West, because you want us to accept that, oh, it's, it's the Democrats and oh, what they did. Oh, and, 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 by, and by the way, you, 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 you commented about the first member of the House 
being elected to Congress there from Georgia. But I noticed something, Alan West. You failed to say what the black Republicans said when they were run out of Congress. You failed to mention when the Republican Party agreed to the 1877 compromise and the black Republicans said they were abandoned by their own party for political interest. See, Alan, I'm a real Texan. You ain't from Texas. You were born in Georgia, represented Congress in Florida. You went to Tennessee and you just moved to Texas a few years ago. I'm born and bred. Mama and daddy born and bred. Maternal grandparents moved there in the 1930s. Daddy's folk from Texas. I'm fourth generation Texan. See, Alan, we got a slogan in Texas that I think applies to you. All hat and no cattle. All hat and no cattle. See, you don't really want to debate me on this, do you? See, Alan, the previous times you came on my show, you were thoughtful, reasonable. But then I would see you on Fox News, then you'd be talking crazy. Because, see, you knew that bullshit couldn't fly with me. Because, you know, I would have smoked it out in a heartbeat. So, Alan, you can talk big on YouTube. You can bump your gums with all your Republicans. But you know why you're not going to come here, Alan. You are not going to come on this show because you know I do not allow lies to stand. You know I will walk down every single Republican lie when it comes to voter suppression. I'm going to end it on this one here, Alan West. There are a lot of black Republicans who I know. And there are a lot of black Republicans who I know and respect. And there are black Republicans, Alan, who are willing to speak truth to power. They are black Republicans who are not afraid of kissing Donald Trump's ass. They don't need to do that. I'm going to show you one of them, Alan West. And in fact, you, Alan West, said you serve this country. 
so did this brother. Last I checked, you don't have one star. He's got four. Alan West, this right here is a black Republican with a conscience. This right here is a black Republican who was willing to tell his party the truth and not be afraid. This right here is a black Republican who stood up at a CEO forum in North Carolina in 2013 with the Republican governor in attendance and blasted the governor for signing a voter suppression bill and he was sitting in the audience. Go back to my computer, Alan West. This is what this black Republican, this black Republican veteran, this black Republican four-star general had to say. He said, quote, it immediately turns off a voting block the Republican Party needs. These kinds of actions do not build on the base. It is just turns people away. I want to see policies that encourage every American to vote, not make it more difficult the vote. Political wrote, go back. Political wrote, the bill requires voters to show government issued ID, shortens early voting and ends pre-registration for teens among other changes. Thursday, Powell said the bill sends a bad message to minorities. What it really says to the minority voters is, we really are sort of punishing you. Powell also took aim at defenders of the law, folk like you, Alan West, including McCrory, who say such restrictions are necessary to stop voter fraud, which is hard to detect. Quote, you can say what you like, but there is no voter fraud, Colin Powell said. How can it be widespread and undetected? So you see, Alan West, I don't dislike all black Republicans. I only call out those who are gutless. I only call out those like you who don't stand up for black people, who are willing to be apologists for white conservative Republicans who fear the power of a changing America. Alan, maybe you need this job. It's a shame that you do because what it really says, Alan, that is that You really don't care about the people. You say, and you did, you did indeed join. You did indeed join the military and you said to fight for the right to vote. <coughs> but it's clear, it's real clear, Alan,
that you only fought for for some people, not all. And Alan, I want you to know something. If you continue to stay the course, I want you to understand that history will remember you well. And Alan, here's my advice. Don't go down in history like this brother right here. <clears throat> Do you really want Alan when breath has left your body for you and other black Republicans like Paris Denard Bruce Lavelle, Angela Stanton, Vernon Jones, Alveda King, Marge Teray, Candace Owens, uh, Brandon Tatum, folk like <coughs> Deontay Johnson. Do y'all want to be known as 21st century Isaiah T. Montgomery's. Who is Isaiah T. Montgomery? He was the only black person who was a delegate to the Mississippi 1890, 1890 Constitutional Convention where they were so sick and tired of black people being elected to office that they changed the law and Isaiah T. Montgomery actually voted with those white racists to disenfranchise black voters. And ever since 1890, not a single African-American has been elected statewide in Mississippi. Alan, only you can decide if you want history to say you have the courage to be a truth teller to your party like four-star general Colin Powell. Or they will simply say Alan West was nothing more than a 21st century Isaiah T. Montgomery. What are you prepared to do? I'll be back in a moment. What's up, y'all? I'm Will Packer. I'm Chrisette Michelle. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. I, I'm not at all interested, Ben Dixon, uh, in playing games with these folk. 
Ben, did you hear me? I'm sorry, say that again, Roland. I said I'm not all interested in playing games with these folk. No, not at all, not at all. I, I was tweeting while you were doing your monologue um, because I can't believe Alan West talks all that cash money shit and he hung up after 10 seconds. I mean, <sighs> Alan, Alan West has been talking, causing problems since I lived in Florida and he was a, a, a really good step and fetch it type of Republican for the black face of white supremacy and that's what he did. And I've been waiting for somebody to uh, take him to task, but to, for you to call him in real time, uh, I got to salute you, Roland. That, that was that was some G stuff right there. Well, I just I'm, I'm just not playing these games with him, uh, uh, Kelly, because again, I ain't got no problem debating any of them. T matter of fact, and I keep telling these folk, I ain't scared to go to Fox News, Newsmax, OANN, none of them, because see, they cannot defend lies. They can try, but when you're armed with truth, they can't handle that. That's why they always go back to ID, ID. The, we ain't talking about ID. We're talking about all the other stuff that's in the bill. They don't want to discuss all that. It is really interesting to me how Republicans' main talking point, especially when it comes to black Republicans and white Republicans who are trying to appease two black people, they try to, the first thing is Lincoln freed the slaves. Republicans did this. Republicans did this for black people. Republicans did that for black people. Why aren't you on our side? And they conveniently forget that 1865 Republican Party is not the 2021 Republican Party. And they know this. They absolutely know this. They bank on the ignorance of some black people to get on their side, to agree with them and to join this party that is historically from 1960s on completely adverse to black issues and racist and not in alignment with what we need and what we want from this country. Um, when it comes to this bill, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense to me because, well, for me, I use logic. So Republicans don't necessarily use logic in this regard. But it does not make sense to me mm. how they are still adamant about defending it such that it is they are making it almost insulting on their end that anybody's opposed to it. And it is it is peak gaslighting from this party to the American people for them to purport, especially Georgia, for Georgia's uh, legislator to purport that this bill is fair and that Republicans down there are really about free and fair elections. Um, it, it, it is absolutely ridiculous. And you pretty much said anything and everything that I was going to say um, in, in your Roland rant, as I like to call them, um, because it, it, is, it, it is ridiculous. See, the, the, the thing for me, Mustafa, is they are used to folk cowering from them. They're used to people, oh, no, no, not want to engage. Mm -mm. I'm real simple. Bring your ass. Bring your ass. I take you on anywhere. I take on. I, Mustafa, when I was at CNN, I remember one day they were going to have me and James Carville. And I think it was with Wolf and Bill Bennett. And Bill, oh, punk ass Bill Bennett. Ah, no, 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 that's three against one. It's unfair. 
I was like, man, I take on five of y'all. I said, that's unfair for y'all. Mm-hmm. See, when you got, when you know what's right, it don't matter how many y'all. It don't matter to me. See, first of all, what he understand is James Carvey, a hardcore Democrat. I'm not. So depending on what came up, I disagree with James. James Carvey was full of shit the other day for his nonsense about identity politics and defund the police. I swing on James Carville. I ain't got no problem. I was on Martha's Vineyard. Alan Dershowitz said some crazy stuff. I whooped his ass right there on the panel. I whooped David Gergen's ass on the panel. White liberal, white Republican, black Republican, black liberal. Don't matter. If I disagree with you, I disagree with you. But see, they scared. They're scared. And see, that's why they're passing the laws. In Texas, the reason they are passing the laws, because they're mad that Democrats, the 18 black women got got elected judges. I was down there helping them. One of them, she passed away. Okay? Pancreatic cancer. That's one. They're mad. Because Democrats came within five seats of taking over the Texas House. Mm-hmm. They mad that Beto only lost by two and a half points to Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. They're mad. That's what they're trying to do. How are you going to sit here and outlaw mobile voting? How are you going to outlaw drive-through voting? Explain to me the difference between sitting in my car and pulling up ID, fine, they check it, or voter registration card, they check it, you approve, here's your ballot, vote, hand it back, go on about your way. No, 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 no. They whole deal is, no, you got to walk inside. Mm-hmm. Oh, then we're going to have one drop box for the whole damn county. Harris County, Texas, is bigger than damn near half the East Coast. Mm-hmm. One for the whole county. That's the silliness these guys play. And again, they mad. I remember, remember the video of Mark of Ludov before he got canned, yelling at Stephen Miller, why can't y'all go hire Mark Elias and pay him a bunch of money because he's kicking y'all butt in court? Because he's right. And the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, they are right. The Transforming Justice Coalition, they are right. ACLU, they are right to fight these sick and demented Republicans, and all Alan West is doing is defending them and embarrassing the elders and the ancestors. I'm with you on that. You know, we are free black people. And with that freedom comes our own ingenuity and innovation and the ways that we know that fairness is supposed to play out. And if you're not willing to do that and you want to go against that, then you're going to get to smoke. And I was sitting here enjoying uh, your conversation um, with just calling out all the foolishness uh, that, that Brother West was, was, you know, throwing up for folks. You know, you, you can't come into this space and not be prepared to have a real conversation on the real facts, both on the historical side and what's happening in this moment. And the other thing that I would say to that is that, you know, we got a far too many folks, you know, who are willing to sell their souls for a few pieces of silver, if you will. And you see this dynamic playing out with individuals like him, where they are willing to sacrifice, literally willing to sacrifice their own people to get the admiration of folks who don't care about you. You're a puppet. Mm. 
They use you, and when they're done with you, they will throw you away. We saw Herman Cain, God rest his soul, when he was no longer of use. And when he got that COVID-19 virus, you didn't see anybody running over and giving him, you know, the same sets of treatments that President Trump got. So I, I say all that to say that the Republican Party has found itself out of step with America when it comes to uh, issues around the environment, when it comes to issues around public health and making sure that everybody has access to, to health care. When you look at voting and a number of other issues, they're out of step. So therefore, they got to try and rig the game. And for them to rig the game, they got to fool a part of the population into believing that they actually care and that they just have an alternative way of being able to get at things. But when you peel back the onion, all you see is antiquated ways of trying to suppress folks, whether it is their vote. And they know that their vote is tied to resources and their vote is also tied to power. And they don't want to give that up because they know America is changing. The culture of America is changing and the demographics of America is changing. And if they don't want to get in step, they will find out that their party is no longer needed in the political conversations and the political sets of actions that our country will move on uh, in the coming sets of decades. See, y'all, now y'all understand. Uh, Alan scared. Well, I need an apology. He told my book, I need an apology for Roland Martin calling me uh, gutless before I come on. Alan, let me be real clear. Hell can freeze over twice. And your ass will never get an apology for me calling you gutless. Now, maybe when you finally wake up and look in that mirror and discover who the Republican Party is trying to keep from voting, and then you speak out on voter suppression, then I'm going to say, welcome back to the black community. Because see, right now, you ain't standing up for black folks. You standing up for white conservatives who's scared of losing. See, Alan, let me help you out here. I don't, I don't use, and I don't allow it. I don't call people sellouts. I don't call them Uncle Toms. I don't call them uh, Oreos. I don't call them uh, Coons. I don't use any of those derogatory names. I, and I don't allow them to be used on my show. But I will say you're gutless. I will say you're a coward. I will say you're weak. I will say you're impotent. <clears throat> All specifically related to your unwillingness, unwillingness to look your own party in the eye and say, if y'all want to win, win on ideas. Win on policy. Don't win by cheating. Don't win by rigging elections. So now y'all know why Alan West won't come on this show. Now all y'all know why Brandon Tatum threw out the challenge. He'd debate anybody on George Floyd. I immediately raised my hand and his ass been running ever since. Now y'all know why Candace Owens being she wanted to debate everybody. But she been running from me. Why Charlie Kirk won't come over here. Now y'all know why Melik Abdul stopped showing up. Way too much heat. 
Now y'all know why a whole bunch of other uh, Deontay Johnson. Well, he just so stupid. I want to invite his dumb ass back. <laughs> but now y'all know why folk like Vernon Jones and Bruce Lavelle and Paris Denard and why these ridiculous black Republicans won't come actually talk to black people. Fools like Raynard Jackson. Because we see through the grift game. We know the grift game. Game recognize game. They can't handle this black heat. They can't handle it. Because y'all do know, if you really want iron to be strong, you turn the heat up. They ain't iron, y'all. They more like rubber. And when heat hits rubber, it melts. They can't handle this heat. So, y'all keep going to some other little shows where they allow your lives to stand. But if you decide to venture into this domain, I advise you to bone up and pack a lunch. And you might have to pack dinner. So I'm gonna stay on your ass. In the memory of William Trotter. In the memory of Vernon Jarrett. In the memory of Ida B. Wells Barnett. That's how we roll on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Folks, if y'all wanna support what we do, please do so. Go to uh, our cash app, PayPal to support what we do. A cash app, dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal.me forward slash rmartinunfiltered. Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. Zell is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Every dollar you give goes to support this show. If you're gonna give on YouTube, that's great, but we only get 55 cents on every dollar they give. So y'all can give to us direct. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans to contribute uh, an average of 50 bucks each for the year, $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day to allow us to do what we do. You are not going to even get this kind of stuff, y'all, on Black News Channel. Y'all know I ain't playing. Uh-uh. Ain't nobody else bringing you this kind of heat five days a week, Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern. So please, join our Bring the Funk fan club. Let's talk about the Derek Chauvin trial. Today was, of course, the day where the defense took their turn trying to defend him. And my God, was it un unbelievable to listen to them try to have experts to say that George Floyd essentially killed himself. Here's a roundup of today's testimony. Wrap up. Could you summarize the final opinions that you have made in this case? I felt that Officer Chauvin's interactions with Mr. Floyd were following his training, following current practices in policing, and were objectively reasonable. Thank you. I have no further questions. Are you aware of how uh, the Minneapolis Police Department defines force? Not specifically, no. I would have a general understanding of it. Generally, would you agree, or based on your review, would you accept that the Minneapolis Police Department generally defines force to include restraint? It can. A reasonable police officer would adhere to the policies of their own department. True? Yes. Can you undo your uh, seatbelt, sir? Sir, passenger, can you undo your seatbelt? Go, go ahead and undo your seatbelt. 
I, I don't. I don't plan on shooting you. I'm just saying. Just take it. Take your time. Okay, relax. Just undo your seatbelt. Let her take care of her guy. Just keep your hands out where I can see them. Hey. Let me. Keep your hands where I can fucking see them. Okay. Put them up on the dash. Put them on the dash. I'm not gonna shoot you. Put your hands. On the dash! Put your hands on the dash. Last time I'm going to tell you that. It's simple. He keeps moving his hands around. He, keep, he won't listen to what I have to say. Okay. Put them on, the, on your head. Open your mouth. Spit out what you got. Spit out what you got. I'm going to tase you. Spit it out. Don't you jerk away from me. Put your hands behind your head. That was one yellow pill, boss. Yeah. Okay, now slowly come on out. Hand under your head. Hand under your head. Okay, relax. You're not going to get beat up or nothing. You just follow what we're asking you to do. Your attention was focused on Mr. Floyd, correct? Yes, it was. And Mr. Floyd didn't drop dead while you were interacting with him, correct? No. Thank you. Nothing further. Anything further? No, uh, Well, you woke him up when the police officers walked up, correct? Yes. And so then he was awake. Yes. You just want me to say yes or no? Explain what he want me to do. Well, explain. I want to explain. Okay, thank you. So he, when I tried to wake him up, he woke up the second time I said, Floyd, the, the police is here. It's about the $20 bill wasn't real. I kept saying, baby, get up. The police was out. So he looked, and we looked to the right, and he had the police. He tapped on the window with a, with a um, flashlight. And I'm like, Floyd. And so he turned back around again. He's like, what, what? And I was like, baby, that's the police. Open the door, roll down the window, whatever he told him to do. So he looked back, and he when he seen the man... The man had the gun at the window at the, at, when we looked back to him. So he instantly grabbed the wheel, and he was like, please, please don't kill me. Please, please don't shoot me. Don't shoot me. What did I do? Just tell me what I did. Please don't kill me. Please don't shoot me. And I'm like, Floyd, baby, it's not. You said explain. I'm trying I did, to explain what state he was in, sir. I did. Here's a book, man. Yeah, are you guys good with diesel? I'm gonna double check. Lane got it. Here's a book. Here's a notebook. Here. You wanna get his phone? In the car? Yeah, his right down. His phone. He's already gone. He doesn't need his phone. Is that his phone? Put his phone back. Yeah, put his phone back. He's gonna have He's gone already. He went to a hospital. Tell him where it is. Are you sure? Yeah. Put his phone back. That's it. You know I'm wrong. Yeah. Okay. What's up? You might have called it family or something. I watched the whole thing play out. I ain't even. What happened? I didn't talk to them yet. You're part of it. Okay. You ran them though? Nope. No, that man took our name. So, supposedly you're part of his. What happened to him? Fucked up. All right. That's a partner of your partner's. He fucked up your ID? Yeah. He said. They kept his foot on it. They kept it. I don't know what happened. What? I tried to get him to get in the car. I tried. I told him he can't win. Go on, get in the car. I kept telling him. Okay. You can't win, bro. Get in the car. Because I know you can't win. I don't need anything from them. They're good? Yeah. Okay. Oh. All right, you guys are good.
Well, he said these two are good, but I'm not too sure about this. What? That's Sylvia's truck. That's our friend Sylvia. Okay. Ex coworker. Well, let me try. If I get a phone, I can call her and tell her, sir. Oh, the car is going to stay put right here until we figure it out. Well, you better lock it because it's phone sitting right there. Can I tell Sylvia? Stay put. My partner is going to come back. I don't know. I don't know what the plan is with the car. I don't want you guys touching the car. Once you walked over to the far side of the road, over by the Dragon Walk, you could no longer see what was going on with Mr. Floyd. Yeah, yes. You uh, indicated that um, the crowd was getting uh, louder and uh, more aggressive, correct? Yes. And, um, but you knew that there were now four officers over at that scene, correct? Correct, yes. And so your main focus was on watching those passengers? Yes, in the car. And you assumed when you were doing that that those four officers were okay over there because there were four of them, correct? Yes. And if they had radioed for help, you would have heard it over your radio? Yes. And they never radioed for help, did they? No. Benjamin, I don't know what in the hell the defense is trying, trying to lay out. First of all, you put an expert on the stand who has to familiarize themselves with the department's use of force. You might want to say, bro, read before you get on the stand. Yeah, that was pretty incoherent. Like if, if they were trying to paint a cohesive narrative, I think they failed spectacularly. Um, the one thing that I, I feel like they were trying to do is to show that this is uh, I, I guess they were trying to show that this is kind of the state of mind that George Floyd was in in a previous encounter. But at the end of the day, their job is going to be to vilify George Floyd and to put him on trial. And I think they're easing their way into it. And the longer we go into this process, we're going to see them attack George Floyd's character more and more and more. And that's that's definitely something that I'm not looking forward to having to experience. And I'm sure no nobody who saw that video is is going to want to see this defense attorney attack George Floyd the way they're gearing up to. Uh, and again, they're going to have to figure out, Kelly, uh, how to penetrate what the prosecution laid out of the, la of the previous two weeks, especially with their experts that made it perfectly clear it was not drugs that killed George Floyd. So um, I was only able to see bits and pieces of the trial today. But one thing that I noticed was um, they had somebody on the stand testifying how uh, it's possible that he suffered from something called excited delirium. Um, and that was the cause of his death, as opposed to uh, the fact that there was a knee on his neck and he died. And Part of that theory is that, um, quote, suspects may have incoherent, uh, may be incoherent, exhibit extraordinary strength, um, et cetera, et cetera. And for me, it felt incredibly racist to imply that an apprehended, incapacitated black man is still too strong for a trained police officer to control, especially when he was handcuffed on his stomach and in no way, in no position to be anything but under the control of, of Officer Chauvin. So the fact that they're even, they're, they are trying to use any theory, chip at anything that the prosecution uh, threw out 
uh, to basically dissuade the jury from thinking that he actually died from a knee on his neck. When the video shows it, the experts told you, the witnesses saw it, and anything that the defense has um, coming down the pike to combat that is really just theory. It is complete conjecture. So as far as I'm concerned, they don't necessarily have a case. But because Chauvin is entitled to a defense, they got to make do with what they have, which is nothing. So hopefully, considering the fact that they do have nothing, he will be convicted the way he should be, um, the way that I expect him to be. And we can actually get on with possibly moving forward in the in a positive direction regarding criminal justice and repercussions for bad policing. Mustafa. Yeah, I mean, they continue. What they're trying to do is to get one juror um, to have that reasonable doubt, and that's their whole game plan. But every one of the jurors have seen the video, and they've seen that George Floyd had his hands behind his back handcuffed. He's on the ground. And he died from asphyxiation, and the asphyxiation came from Derek Chauvin placing his knee for a considerable amount of time. He didn't have a gun. He didn't have any weapons. He wasn't even resisting arrest. So their case is flimsy, but we also know how the court system works. And they're trying to get that one person. We just hope that every one of those jurors actually uses their minds, uses their hearts, and embraces the humanity that is supposed to be a part of the process. All right, folks, let's go to Illinois, where a video of a black high school football player being forced to sit in a locker field with hanging banana peels has emerged. His teammates threatened to break his knees if he did not do what they said. Watch this. Chair, I'll break both the knees. Chair. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Chair, I'll break both the knees. Police are now investigating the incident. The police are investigating the incident, which took place at uh, Moline High School after the video went viral on social media over the weekend. Moline Police Chief Darren Galt confirmed the teammates said it was a joke among friends. Moline Cole Valley School District is conducting its own investigation to determine if there were violations of school code or district policies. Uh, also, folks, uh, today, President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris met with key members of the Congressional Black Caucus to discuss critical issues like voting rights, racial equity, and how the infrastructure investments in the American Jobs Plan will advance racial equity and address historic inequities. Here's some of what President Joe Biden had to say. It's an honor to be with all of you today, and I, I know uh, it's been a pretty painful week, you know, with, uh, with uh, the losses we've had, you know, a good friend, S.C. Hastings, which I knew a long, long time. And uh, to lose him is uh, losing a piece of the, I don't know what, just losing a piece of something. And uh, also, uh, you know, Dante Wright in Minnesota that uh, got off of shooting and resulting in his death. And, uh, and uh, in the midst of an ongoing trial over the killing of George Floyd, and Lord only knows what's happened based on what the verdict will or will not be there. And uh, but uh, we're in the business, all of us meeting today, to deliver some real change. When uh, we took office, I had to talk with Jim at length about this. Every single aspect of I signed the executive order, every single aspect of our government, uh, including every agency, 
has as a primary focus dealing with equity. Not a joke from the beginning. We talked at length about it, too. And uh, not only, but we also uh, have an awful lot of things we have to deal with, not when it only comes to police, when it comes to advancing equality, economic opportunity. Cedric always says the thing that he uh, would drive him crazy is that uh, everybody wouldn't want to talk about equity in the black community, talk about prisons. Well, that's part of it, man, but that's not, it's about income. It's about being able to earn a living. It's about being able to be in a position where you have economic opportunity. And so I look forward to discussing all these priorities, the, C the CBC priorities and the goals you have for, uh, for the community. But quite frankly, for the goals you have in the community are good for every community. Among those there, Chairman Joyce Beatty of Ohio, Stephen Horsford of Nevada, Sheila Jackson Lee of Texas, Jim Clyburn of South Carolina, and Reverend Raphael Warnock, U.S. Senator from Georgia. Uh, all right, folks, got to go to break. We come back. Uh, we'll talk about the cannabis industry. What are black people? That's next on Roland Martin Unfiltered. I believe that it's movement time again. In America today, the economy is not working for working people. The poor and the needy are being abused. You are the victims of power. And this is the abuse of economic power. I'm 23 years old. I work three jobs. I work seven days a week. No days off. They're paying people pennies on the dollar compared to what they profit. And it is time for this to end. Essential workers have been showing up to work, feeding us, caring for us, delivering goods to us throughout this entire pandemic. And they've been doing it on a measly $7.25 minimum wage. The highest check I ever got was literally $291. I can't take it no more. You know, the fight for 15 is a lot more than about $15 an hour. This is about a fight for your dignity. We have got to recognize that working people deserve livable wages. And it's long past time for this nation to go to 15 so that moms and dads don't have to choose between asthma inhalers and rent. I'm halfway homeless. The main reason that people end up in their cars is because income does not match housing cost. If I could just only work one job, I could have more time with them. It is time for the owners of Walmart, McDonald's, Dollar General, and other large corporations to get off welfare and pay their workers a living wage. And if you really want to tackle racial equity, you have to raise the minimum wage. We're not just fighting for our families, we're fighting for yours too. We need this. I'm going to fight for it until we get it. I'm not going to give up. We just need all workers to sit up as one nation and just fight together. Families are relying on these salaries and they must be paid at a minimum $15 an hour. $15 a minimum. Anyone should be making this ability to stay out of poverty. I can't take it no more. I'm doing this for not only me, but for everybody. We need 15 right now. Black TV does matter, dang it. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. Texan Jamie Foxx is back to his comedic roots uh, with his uh, new show, Dad, Stop Embarrassing Me. Uh, of course, uh, it's uh, 
partly based upon uh, his life with his daughter, Corinne. I had a chance to sit down with Jamie uh, and his co-star. Uh, here's a trailer, then here's our interview. Sasha, Malia, yes, we can. Okay, when the Obama starts, I gotta go. Come on, Dad, why can't y'all try yoga? I mean, didn't you say you wanted us to bond more? I don't know how I let this girl talk me into coming into this whack-ass yoga. Because you're weak, boy. <laughs> and why are you here? I'll give you two reasons. Hello, ladies. Good. I think she's having a hard time with her mom being gone. I don't, I don't know how to connect with her. Why are you in your pajamas when we're getting ready to go to church? I think I'm a pass on church this week. I'm going to tell you right now, everybody under this, this roof goes, goes to church. church. I'm happy you came. I'd be even happier if you told me you got a pastry in that knapsack. Won't he do it? Yes, he will. And I want to let you know something, brother. I am free from my diabetes. Save me half of that. Say what? Say what? Good job. Dad, what are you wearing? I'm wearing the latest skinny jeans. Those jeans aren't skinny, they're starving. Oh. I hear my music. That's my song right there. Woo! Get this on your TikTok. Hey. <laughs> I don't want to lose any followers. like a Snoop concert down here. Why can't you be like every other father, just get drunk and pass out? It's 2019, for God's sake. It's 2021, for God's sake. Damn, this is some good shit. You know, I'm a teenage girl. I'm gonna talk to boys. And I am a grown black man, and I'm gonna whip them boys' asses. Yeah, relax. It's not even what you think. The answer is still no. I don't want you driving around with some strange boy. You know these young boys, are they out here ghost riding the whip and whatnot? <laughs> Cool. Roland Martin, Roland Martin Unfiltered. Roland, you got an hour. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You got an hour, Texas Roland. Go ahead. Texas. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's what Come I'm on, saying. Well, Jamie, I got to double back and do your show. Hey, Doc, look, you know, you know we, we can do it anytime. Anytime you want to do it. I ain't got to ask nobody. I own it, so we good. I know. Well, I appreciate you. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Kyla Drew, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to see both of you. Let's get right into it because they got a brother on the clock. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, it, 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 in, in this show, you're dealing with raising a 14-year-old. Any flashbacks uh, you leaning on real-life experience when you had to deal with a teenage daughter? Listen, man, most definitely. Now, my, my daughter never got in trouble, Roland. That's what's crazy. Now, so we had to manufacture that part. Never? I ne I ne listen, I never had to say, I know you ain't coming in here late. I know there ain't alcohol on your breath. What is this boy? I never had any of that. So we had to write that. But as far as I'm concerned, basically my daughter was actually the parent at times because I was so off the chain. Look, you you see, <laughs> but I just thought that Kyla Drew brought something so amazing to 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 the to the to the show. And Kyla and my daughter actually got together and would craft uh you know craft a character and. <clears throat> Having my daughter as executive producer on the show really meant a lot because, like, I'd be out there thinking I'm doing something funny and then get a call on stage and she's like, uh, yo, that ain't funny. You better find something else because that ain't funny. So, <laughs> so it was just a great vibe, man, and I cannot express how much fun it was. 
Uh, Kyla, uh, I, I've had to raise six nieces at uh, one time together. I'm dealing now with my wife and I, my twin 17-year-olds. So uh, trust me, I'm sure I'll be watching going, yep, I've seen that before. <laughs> yep, the eye roll, the, the suck in the teeth. Mm-hmm. Oh, all, all that. Of it. All that. <laughs> Why you got to be so aggressive? Because you... See, I'm going to cuss. Go on ahead. I'm sorry. Go on ahead. <laughs> yes, I feel... I mean... <laughs> yeah, we basically see Sasha is a teenager. And whew, she, she, be, she be doing her own thing. Attitude <laughs> and all. Oh, she's off the chain sometimes. But I think uh, it's a good balance in the show. And... A lot of times, Brian, Jamie's character, brings her down all the way down to reality and snatches that attitude right out of it, right out of her. Jamie, I, 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 my daddy told me this, and I have conveyed this to my nieces. I ain't your friend. <laughs> I'm, I'm your uncle. I'm raising you. I ain't your friend. Exactly. And so did, did you also have to make that clear? I ain't <laughs> your friend. Listen, you, you got to make it clear. And, like, look, you, and then you got to some of the old disciplines – just don't work. So you have to align yourself <laughs> as friendly, but always understand that at a certain point you have to parent. And when you have to parent, sometimes that can be a lonely place because you don't want to disappoint your daughters. You don't want to disappoint uh, your kids, but sometimes you got to actually like be killjoy. Now, that was what my grandmother used to just kill joy for no reason. Granny, I want to go across the street. Go over there and see, and I'll cut you clean in two. But why you got to do that? I just went. <laughs> How would I live with half a body? You know, so, but those are the things that you have to sort of set up in order to make them understand that the world is going to be a lot more hard on you than I am. So it's sometimes it's toughening them up, you know, not having them live in a space of, of social media and things like that. Because when you get into the real world, uh, an Instagram post may not save you. Uh, absolutely. And Kyla, I think what, what's important, and again, what this brings, it's critically important for people to see the relationship of a daughter and her daddy. I, I cannot tell you, as somebody, my parents will be married 54 years in June, as somebody who, who, who understands the importance of daddy, I think this is all so wonderful that, that this is being exhibited and people are seeing that relationship between the two of you. Yes, 100%. I, I, I'm honestly so honored and I love the fact that this show highlights both Jamie and Corrine's relationship with one, uh, with one another. And I think it's so beautiful, uh, that Sasha decides to live with her dad and then watching their relationship blossom throughout all the episodes. It, it really takes you on a journey. And by the end, they, they tight, they're good. They, they understand one another. Speaking of that, Jamie, because again, uh, typically when we watch television, it's always, you know, the dumb daddy, he can't fix anything. He knows nothing. He's not smart or He's not even there. It's always the mama. What, what do you want uh, to convey? Well, you know, for, first of all, we do a lot of behind the scenes with dads who 
who are trying to connect with their kids. Maybe um, maybe there was a divorce or whatever like that. And sometimes we will take, not the easy way out, but we will take the, the comfortable way out. Like uh, that's, that's the mom's uh, job. No, it's not. Your daughter needs you more than ever nowadays. When they come into these uh, uh, different sections of their life from 16 to 19, whatever it is, they need to be able to lean on you. So I'm always been like, listen, no matter what the circumstance, that's going to be your daughter forever. So you got to get in there. You got to fight for that. And you got to go through that uncomfortable sucking of the teeth and that uncomfortable rolling of the eyes and that uncomfortable. She may get you with some venomous, you know, uh, I, I use my father for an example. My father lost a connection with my sister. So I moved my father into the house with me. This is part of the show. The reason that I moved my father into the house with me so they would run into each other. So they can mm. get some of that time back. So there's nothing more important than a father and, 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 and that daughter relationship because I want my daughters to be able to lean on me at any time and say, hey, dad, this is what I'm going through. And I'll be able to have that door open. And that's the whole thing as a dad is just constantly making sure that door is open because, you know, sometimes your daughter feel like, well, I can only tell mom these things. I said, no, I want you to be able to tell me uh, everything as well, because there's there's a lot of uh, knowledge that I have, and I want to be there to support. Absolutely. Well, Kyla, Drew, and Jamie, we look forward to it. I look forward to seeing the love, the laughter, and also the life lessons. Thank you. All right, folks, Dad, Stop Embarrassing Me debuts on Netflix tomorrow, so you can begin to check it out. All right, folks, every Tuesday uh, we have our segment called The Marketplace, where we are focused on uh, Black-owned businesses. And this week we're talking about the cannabis space. Now, we're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry. There's a whole bunch of folks getting paid, and they don't look like us. Now, we paid the price already by going to jail due to cannabis. What's happening with these people who are becoming millionaires and billionaires uh, as a result of the cannabis industry? industry. So we want to talk about that. Uh, Cureleaf is going to mitigate the impact of drugs in these communities and continue to fight for criminal justice reform. Uh, Raheem, uh, is it uh, Ugda, manager of corporate social Respons responsibility initiatives of Cureleaf. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, uh, Okta. Okta. Sorry about that, Okta. Uh, so well, let's talk about, so what exactly is Cureleaf doing to deal with this whole issue of racial equity? Because like I, I've been saying for a long time, look, we paid the price on the front end. We should be getting paid on the back end. And we should be first in line getting paid now that cannabis is becoming legal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, so I, I think Cureleaf as a multi-state operator has tried to figure out how best to use our footprint, our tools, our materials uh, to make a difference in a lot of the communities that have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. I think, you know, 420, I think, is a time to celebrate the industry. Um, you know, my my team at Cureleaf was recently talking about the narrative around cannabis used to be about freeing the plant, uh, and it, it is shifted towards, I think, freeing those who were harmed by the war on drugs as well. Um, it, because I think you can't just legalize 
the medicine without understanding uh, the historical wrongs that a lot of these communities have faced. Um, so I, I'm grateful to be in the position where I, that I am in, where you know I get to go out and find organizations to partner with um, to make a difference in these communities. Uh, we just recently uh, put forward um, a proposal in Illinois, uh, five partnerships around the city of Chicago um, with nonprofit organizations doing job development, uh, with educational programs that are training folks looking to get into the into the cannabis industry. Um, but I, I, you know, as part of that, it was an, a $950,000 investment. But as part of that, I think we really have to understand the historical disadvantages that people of color face when entering this industry. So you said these right? partnerships. So are you doing it with nonprofits? Or are you doing it with actual companies? And what do these partnerships uh, look like? Yeah, so it's with nonprofit partners and community colleges. So with our nonprofit partners, um, as part of our agreements, we're looking to, to put forth policy proposals, right, that are now I'm, I'm in uh, the city of Chicago. I'm in Hyde Park. In Illinois, we have uh, adult use cannabis. Um, but on the surface, it, it's all equal. But as you start to get into who can still get drug tested, um, who can lose access to housing for using what is now a legal substance? I think as you start to pick at all of those areas, you find that it falls disproportionately on black and brown folks who you know don't own their own property, so may not be able to smoke legally in their own residence, um, could work an hourly job um, in manufacturing that leads them open to uh, to drug testing and, and the possibility of losing their home. So we're partnering with a lot of nonprofits to try to put forth policy proposals um, for industries moving forward that are equitable. Because I, I believe while a number of folks from these communities may want to enter cannabis, I think we, we need to understand that not everybody uh, wants to be in the cannabis industry and in a plant touching roles. So we really just need to, to create equity around the plant and around consumption. Uh, questions go to my panel. Uh, first off, Mustafa. Yeah, you had mentioned uh, community colleges. Uh, what does the work look like in that space? Yeah, so we have a partnership with Olive Harvey College. Um, it, it's multifaceted. We, we're supporting their program as they roll out a cannabis logistics program. Um, we're also working now uh, on, on creating a pipeline and infrastructure for folks to come into our stores or into our corporate environment um, in an internship capacity, and hopefully we can hire those folks on after a period of time. Um, so really, it's it's trying to create all of these different channels uh, to uh, that I think eventually lead to a more equitable uh, and open industry. Uh, Kelly. Um, I apologize if this was discussed, but I didn't hear it. Do you know what the stats are specifically for how many black people are in the cannabis industry and are successful? And what can we do um, either by voting or legislation or, or any other uh, avenue that you can think of? What can we do to uh, raise that number, raise that stat? Mm -hmm. So I, I will say, I don't, I don't know the stat off the top of my head. The number of licensed cultivators or retailers is low. And I think that's that's because of the barrier to entry, I think, really into opening a cannabis dispensary or a, a grow. It could cost a few hundred thousand dollars in cash 
just to open one of these stores. Um, and then once you do, um, you don't have access to the same um, tax abilities that other businesses do. You can't write off expenses. Um, it makes it very cash intensive to even open a license. Could be, you know, a few sixty, twenty thousand dollars just in licensing. Then you've got to hold property, um, and all of that is just very cash intense. And I think, you know, for a lot of the folks in these in these communities that have been disproportionately hard harmed, it's it's difficult. So I think as we write policy, we need to think about what is equitable, what does access look like, um, and how do we provide more opportunity? I think Illinois has um, has a good idea in mind with a social equity fund where. Um, these businesses could then pull low interest loans. Um, but I, I think we've really got to, we've got to address the issue of just trying to open the business. Um, and then, and then we can, we can have some diverse ownership. Ben. Yeah. You, you speak of the uh, barriers to entry. How, how much of the barriers to entry, the, the, the exorbitant cost is actually impacted by like actual capital you know, cost of doing business versus just fees and fine and taxes or, or whatever else. Um, what's the what's the breakdown there? And secondly, how much of that is to the benefit of big corporations like Big Tobacco who are likely trying to corner the market? So I, you know, I don't want to speculate too much on on you know how those regs are are written. Um, what I will say is, you know, it could be. Ten or twenty thousand dollars just in licensing fees, uh, and then, like I said, as you're going through that licensing process and approval from the state, um, you've got to be holding real estate that entire time so that you're open, uh, so that you're ready to open should the state approve you. And that could be six, nine, twelve months. Here in Illinois, we've been waiting on craft uh, grow. I think one of the first opportunities for for black ownership and for equity in the market um, for over a year now. And for the folks who've been waiting for licensing, they've had to have property that entire time. Um, and if they haven't, um, you know, they they are likely knocked out of the running for being able to receive a license. And that's, I, I think that's that's a real injustice. And they 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 will not get that cash back, right? These are private relationships that they have with a landowner or a um, or or a realtor, and they're you know they're not going to be able to receive that cash if the, if they don't get a license. Mm. So again, uh, changing those policies are critically important. Uh, last question for me, um, what, what are the two or three states that y'all are really focused on right now to expand the opportunities for black folks to get to the cannabis space? Yeah, uh, I, think, I think Illinois, uh, again, has a fantastic opportunity for us to increase ec education, access, ownership. Um, I think all eyes are gonna be shifting to New York um, as they just pass their adult use uh, regulation. I'm really excited to see what that state's able to put together and how we can, you know, through our programs like 420 by 25, which is our supplier diversity work, really help to boost um, uh, equitable ownership in the space um, for all folks, right? Um, so I, I, I think we're looking at New York, we're looking at Illinois, I think um, in states like uh, Arizona or Nevada, you know, we're just, we're trying to really use um, our footprint and our tools to make the most difference for a lot of these smaller operators that just you know may not have the means that we do, um, which is why we're trying to provide access and, and offer mentorship and, um, and and really blow the doors open to the cannabis industry for folks who are who are ready to start.
All right, then. Where can people get more information uh, about Curaleaf if they want to, uh, uh, you know, uh, dig deeper? Yeah, so curaleaf.com uh, slash social responsibility. Um, you can learn all about our Rooted in Good initiative there um, and how we're trying to change the cannabis industry for the better. All right, then. Well, look, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, thank you so very much uh, for being with us. Uh, this is, again, an important issue uh, that we got to keep uh, pursuing, pursuing and really uh, getting opportunities because we cannot be frozen out. Raheem, we appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, then. Uh, ben, Kelly, Mustafa, I certainly appreciate y'all being on our panel today. Thank you so very much. Uh, folks, if y'all want to support what we do here at Roller Martin Unfiltered, please, as I said, join our Brain the Funk fan club. Every dollar you give goes to support what we do. Ain't no billionaires and millionaires funding this show. Uh, this is being funded by the people for us. We wanted to be able to speak truth to power, uh, and we ain't got to owe nobody. And so, uh, please, uh, go to Cash App, dollar sign RM Unfiltered, paypal.me forward slash R Martin Unfiltered, Venmo.com forward slash RM Unfiltered. Zell is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Uh, or rolling at rollandmartinunfiltered.com. And so you can, again, uh, contribute to us there. Uh, let me real quick, uh, these are some, let me just pull this thing up for a second. Uh, let's see here, Marie Ann McLean uh, gave during the show. Vernon Harrell uh, did the exact same thing. Uh, also want to thank Amaya uh, Cameron, John Halcom, Anna Ford, Michael Jones. Let's see here, uh, Aaron Alexander, uh, uh, Larney Richardson, uh, all of them uh, have been, uh, uh, of course, John Seals, uh, Janet Griffin, Lorenzo Smallwood, let's see here, Robert Young, Alan Orr, James Davis, uh, Joyce Nichols, uh, and let's see here, come on, Anna Ford again. Uh, let's see here. Gives us uh, Scott uh, Fabiani Beeman, uh, Adrian uh, B. Uh, Rico Hooper, Oten Snail, Michael Bryant, Damon Franklin, Ian Smith Jr., uh, Peggy Joint, Vanessa Brown, let's see, Renee Matthews, Derek Walker, uh, Michelle Montanez, uh, Tanya Burton, uh, let's see here, Norman Johnson, Heaven Simpson, Veronica Lyles, uh, Robert Young, uh, Valerie Dunn, uh, Melody Connor. They all gave right here, of course, on the show, so we appreciate that. They all gave via, um, via Venmo. Let me just hop over to Zell. Uh, see here. Um, see anybody who gave during the show. I got an email up here as well. And so uh, I got a shout out. Walter West, Veronica Thompson, Brenda Sterling, they all gave me a cash app during the show um, as well. Um, and so I thank all of y'all uh, for supporting Jamie McLeod uh, as well. Thank you so very much. Uh, let's see here. Uh, activity. Let me click that. I'm going to give some shout outs. All right, y'all. Uh, let's see here. Roosevelt Brooks. Thanks a lot. Lewis Lamb. Thank you so very much. Joseph Marshall. Thank you so very much. Uh, Tabrisha Allen. I told y'all any all the folks who give 50 bucks or more get personal shout outs from me on the show. Sophia Murphy. Thank you. Lolita Lopez Austin. Thank you so very much. Marvin Luckett. We appreciate it. Uh, Willene McFadden. Patrick Robinson. Deborah Farrell. Sharon Brown. Godwin Francis, VJ Clay, LLC. Uh, wow, 
appreciate it. Thank you so very much. Michelle Hartley, Craig, Luke, Ethel, Edmund. Let's see who else, who else? Alan Santoros, uh, Eugene Evans. Thank you very much. Big contribution, Eugene. Sharon Moore, thanks a lot. Uh, Ray Malone, Tony Sanders, uh, Brent Sterling, just a few more. Denise Miller, uh, Esther Boykin, Michael Jr., Nellie Matlock, Felicia Brown, uh, Richard Bromfield, uh, Elisa or Elisa uh, Simmons, Sharonda Roombay, uh, Atasha Quarles. Thank you so very much. A bunch of folks actually mailed in, so I'm going to read uh, the names of people who mailed in the money orders and checks on tomorrow's show. Folks, uh, that is it. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm rocking uh, Sigma Pi Phi Fraternity, the Boule, uh the shirt today. So just got it in my hat as well. So wanted to rock on today's show. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Alan West, you gonna call a brother now, huh? Holla! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.